All right, good morning. Good to see you here this morning on the Sunday after Easter. Sunday after Easter. We had a great weekend last weekend, Easter weekend. We had over uh, almost 1,450 people at all campuses, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I think uh, people are back. COVID is now just a thing, and, uh, and you're back. So thank you so much for being here. If you, if you are a guest, first or second time, thank you. Make sure you get a welcome uh, gift out at the Welcome Center before you leave. Well, we're back on track with our expository preaching series through the book of James. And expository preaching is where you just let the text determine the topic instead of taking a topic and finding the text to support it you let the text support the topic that's what we're doing through this book of James it's been a great journey so far in case you are new James was written by the it's a little book near the end of the Bible it's written by the brother of Jesus half-brother of course it was written to the earliest believers most people believe James is the oldest book in the New Testament And it was written for the purpose of encouraging these early believers. They didn't have the letters of Paul yet. They were being circulated, but they weren't compiled. And they didn't have some other works. So James is writing them to say, hey, if you're a believer in Jesus, then your life should look like it. You know, James was a skeptic before when Jesus' ministry was going on. He didn't believe. The Bible tells us he and his other siblings, they just didn't believe that their brother was the son of God. I mean, would you? Probably not. But they watched this whole ministry. They watched him be crucified. And the Bible says James got a personal visit from the resurrected Jesus. So obviously he became a a believer and a very committed, passionate believer. And he went on to be a, a key leader, maybe the key leader in the entire early church period and he was especially in Jerusalem. So James was an influential guy, and he's writing this letter. He wanted to get out what he thought was important to the earliest believers. I mean, nobody had written to them yet. He said, look, here, here's what matters. You can't look like the rest of the world. <clears throat> and today, you can't talk like the rest of the world. Today, uh, we're going to study a topic that we need to hear probably every day, three times on Sunday. Now, we've seen that faith works. Faith, a faith that works, works when we have troubles and trials and temptations. Faith that works when there's no partiality. A faith that works when it's put into practice. Today is chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to see it's a faith that works when you lick your tongue. That's right, I said lick your tongue. Now, I know some of you are trying to do that now. And we're not talking about tongue contortions, lick, to beat, to subjugate, to put under control, that definition of the word lick. Now, it's hard to lick your tongue if you literally try to do it, and it's also hard to lick your tongue, even what we're going to talk about here this morning. And uh, let's face it, uh, we sometimes let our mouths get us into trouble, just out of curiosity, so I'm not alone here. 
Has anybody ever let their mouth get them into trouble? If you have a right hand, it ought to be up now. Uh, you may say, oh, I've never said anything bad. Yeah, but why didn't you say something good? Now, raise your hand. <clears throat> so it's, sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't say, or it's how you say it, if it's me. And let's be honest, men, we probably do lead the way in this. We probably lead the way. We say, ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, when Adam pointed to Eve and said, it's her fault. You think Adam slept the next couple nights? Yes, but out in the garden. He slept out in the garden. God made us differently, men and women, in this respect, and it's okay, but there's research that says that the average man speaks about two to 3,000 words every day, every single day. Good grief, men, what are you talking about? Two to 3,000 words? But the same research, and I'm preaching here now, so don't throw anything at me, all right? Same research says that women... The average woman utters between 10 and 20,000 words every day. Now, men, bite your tongues before you say amen on that. Your wife may be below average or she could be above average. And uh, lucky you. But this study went on to say that both men and women only, both of them only utter about 700 words words of actual value. And this study concluded that value could be defined as words that mean something to both of us. You know, you ask a question, 15 minutes later, I answer your question, but I give you all the details of what happened as I drove home from work and you know, what I saw and the guy that cut me off and all that stuff. 700 words <clears throat> of actual value so, fellas, you're pretty efficient. I mean, you know, you're, you're closer than your wife. She likes to give us more. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's, it's really not the quantity of words that we speak, is it? It's the quality. It's the quality. Reminds me of the story of a guy who decided to become a monk. And so he went into the monastery, and he decided, you know, he could take a lot of vows of different things, but he took a vow of silence. And with this vow of silence, he could only utter two words every three years. So he went in into the first set of three years. He came to the abbot, head monk, his office to speak his two words. And he said, food, cold. He went back three years later. He comes back to the abbot in his office to speak his two words, and he said, room, dirty. Three more years, and he comes back, bed, hard. Three more years, we're talking 12 years now, he came back, he stood in front of the monk, uh, head monk, and he says, I quit. <laughs> and the abbot said, I'm not surprised, my son, all you've done is complain since you've been here. <laughs> it's really the quality of our words. Constant complaining is bad, but from a lot of people, it's a lot worse than that. And it seems like 
since the advent of social media, it's a whole lot easier to get in trouble with your tongue. Now, you might say, no, those were my thumbs, but same thing, right? I mean, you could post something on social media that was obvious to everybody. The sky is blue, the grass is green, and you'd get a 1,000 people that tried to beat you up about why were you so color uh, uh, prejudiced or something. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so it is easy, easy to say things that are negative or critical or discouraging. The Psalms refer to those whose throat is an open grave, whose tongues deceive, and whose mouths are full of curses and bitterness. You might remember what Jesus said about those of us who utter something carelessly. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Isaiah sensed the weight of words when he had that experience with God in Isaiah chapter 6, and he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Sometimes it's hard to know what to say. I knew a guy one time who could use the F word in every part of speech. It was disgusting. He was kind of proud about it. My grandmother would always quote this old saying. She would say, if wisdom's ways you wisely seek, five things observe with care, to whom you speak, of whom you speak, how and why and where. That's worth committing to memory, isn't it? My grandmother was legally blind and was unable to read the latter parts of her life, but, man, she had lots of quotes and Bible and pithy sayings come out of her heart and out of her mouth. You know the old saying. Help me out here. Finish it. Loose lips sinks ships. Loose lips sink ships. You know, just this week we've had a kind of a uh, indication or a, 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 another um, incident of somebody leaking something, of somebody giving information that, that something was written or read that could potentially put a lot of people, even our own country, in danger just to just to boast to his buddies just to say i got this information now we could debate whether or not he should have or shouldn't have obviously it was against the law but the point is we got to be careful what we say and what we put out on social media or any kind of platform where it's us saying something but i'm talking more about your life and your relationships and your marriage, your marriage. I'm going to ask this question again, <clears throat> and this time I'm going to ask it differently. Ladies, how many times has your husband said something downright stupid? Oh, ladies are really being nice. Yeah, your husband's not here today. Okay, ladies, yeah, okay, I like it when you point like that. We, we all do. We all do. 
So James is talking about the tongue today, and that's all he's talking about. So let's talk about the tongue. First of all, I want you to hear him say, the tongue is powerful. Chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. You know, in some ways, the book of Proverbs, I think I said this in an earlier message in this series, it's the book of James and the book of Proverbs are very similar. You know, they kind of pick up a topic and say a few things about it, and then they move on to another topic. That's what James kind of does. Listen to these Proverbs about the tongue. You know, more than what it says about money or sex or relationships or anything else, there are 90 Proverbs total that talk about the tongue. Proverbs 10, 14, a man, a wise man holds his tongue. Only a fool blurts out everything he knows. That only leads to sorrow and trouble. Proverbs 15, 2, the tongue of the wise man commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like the thrusts of swords, the sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If death and life are in the power of the tongue, then the tongue is a very powerful thing, isn't it? You can think down through the ages when, when there was more uh, dictatorial kind of rule in some places in the world and where one man or woman had the power just with a word to take a life or to save a life. I think of that movie Gladiator. You see the movie Gladiator where the Roman emperor, he just, just by the point of his thumb, he could kill or save. It's a powerful thing. It's, it, it's so much power that people have. And in a way, though you're not a king or the Roman emperor, you have the same kind of power in your life with the people you love, the people you're closest to. You can with your words, hurt or help, encourage or discourage, tear down or build up. If we want a faith that works, James says we got to get a control over our tongue. We got to watch the tongue. The apostle Paul said we have to glorify God in our bodies, and I think he would say you got to start with your, with your tongue. Now, this passage may be more uncomfortable for me than it is for you because he mentions here right off the bat, teachers, people who teach, people who put things out have to be careful because if we mislead you, especially if we intentionally mislead you, then we're going to be judged with a more strict judgment. And, you know, I've, over the years, I've made a lot of mistakes I used to have people in the church who would tell me about them. 
And that's okay, as long as it's done in love and maybe privately. Last week, I made a mistake, for instance. I made a mistake last week. I don't know why. I knew this wasn't true, but I made a mistake. I preached three times last week. I preached Saturday night at Taze Valley. I didn't do it there. I preached uh, here at 9.30, and then I preached this service at 11, and I believe it was the 11 o'clock service where I made a mistake, and I think that's the one that's posted online. It wasn't a big mistake. I don't think it sent anybody to hell, but it was a mistake. I knew that when Jesus came after Lazarus died, that the sisters Mary and Martha both went out to meet him. Martha went first because she, she was the one who you needed to live right and do the right thing. She was the one she's going to tell Jesus. And she was the one that said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But for some reason, and that's when Jesus said, well, I, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, he will never die. Do you believe this? For some reason, I, I was thinking that that episode happened with the sister at his feet. And I knew that there are only three places in Scripture where we find Mary. And all three times, she's at the feet of Jesus. So that was going on in my mind. And so instead of saying Martha, I said Mary. Now, did anybody lose any sleep over that? Or y'all forgive me for saying that. Now, if that was the worst I'd done, that'd be okay. But I've done worse. I've done worse, and I'm not going to talk about those. But I've done worse where I've had to go apologize. I had to go apologize. It was true. What I said was true, but it shouldn't have been said. It wasn't Scripture. It was a commentary about Scripture, but it was, it was something that shouldn't have been said. And I apologize for it. You know, sometimes preachers will they'll say a lot to get people to laugh or for shock value or something. And it's a dangerous thing that preachers and teachers and people who stand on stage have to be careful of that we're not crossing the line saying something just for a laugh or just for shock value that really could just go without being said. And let's just stick to this stuff. And it takes a little bit of years. You know, when I was younger, I think I used to push the edge a little bit more just to get a laugh. Now, I just make blunders and get laughs, so I'm okay now. You know, so I don't, I don't even have to try. So the point here is there's a lot of power, a lot of power in what we say. You know, there are these things I mentioned social media a while ago. There are these people on social media, they have a title. Anybody know who I'm talking about? They have a gazillion followers. They're called what? Influencers, influencers. And they're very influential and they can do a lot of damage. They can do a lot of good by their influence. And it's amazing, that's the world we live on, live in today, is that you don't have to know anybody, you don't have to be on a stage anywhere to talk to somebody, you can be in uh, the northeast part of the country or anywhere, and you can influence people with what you say. It's very powerful. There's a lot of power, power to forgive, power to bring condemnation, or power to proclaim the gospel. That saves. I love it. I just love it when a big-time athlete 
or a, a, a Hollywood person. I just love it, and I know you do too, when they give God glory, when they talk about Jesus. Don't you love that? Like, yes, I'm pulling for you now. I'm gonna pull for you. I've changed teams based on that kind of thing because I like to see that. They have the opportunity and everybody's listening. And they could say this or they could say that. They give praise to God. It's a wonderful thing. So this tongue is kind of like a bit on a horse or a rudder on a ship. You know, we said loose lips sink ships. But somebody told me after the first service that the Bismarck, how many of you know the old Bismarck song? If you're my generation, uh, Jimmy Horton, you know, got to sink the Bismarck, the unsinkable ship. It was, it was destroyed because these low-flying planes that they couldn't even detect on radar put a torpedo, and it just nipped, nicked the edge of the rudder and made the ship unsteerable. And because it was unsteerable, it was sunk. And many of you have ridden horses or you know somebody that's ridden horses, and the horse is a big animal. I mean, it, it can do what it wants to do. If it wants to run off down the field, it will run off down the field if you don't have control of it. But because you can put a bit in its mouth, you can control it. kind of makes you have a whole new appreciation for the Native Americans, doesn't it, who rode without the bits and steered and guided that horse. And so in a way, what James is saying here is the course of your life, the direction you're going in can be determined by your tongue, by your mouth. I did a funeral on Friday and the family were talking about their loved one and they used the word love a lot. And it was interesting because I had 1 Corinthians 13 at the end of the at the end of the, uh, the funeral. I was going to read part of that. I was amazed, though. It's just how God works. I had that already to, to share at the end of the service, like this is the kind of life we need to live. And through the service, all the family that spoke, three or four of them, plus the obituary, all of them said he loved this and he loved that and he loved them and he loved her. Now, granted, I never did hear he loved God. It was a military-type funeral. But I told them that's what they ought to love. They ought to love God. What are they going to say about you? Because we're all headed for that day. Well, they say, she was so encouraging. She always brought a smile to my face. He always made me feel important. Or will they say, yeah, he was the kind of guy that always saw the dust on the ceiling fans the cobweb in the corner or the fact that you left out a word in this paper. I'm afraid I'd get the latter more than I got the former. Tongue is so powerful. Now, that, that would be enough if James stopped there, but he goes on. He's serious about this subject. He goes on to say that the tongue is not just powerful, it's dangerous, Five and six, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. 
that word for hell is the word Jesus used, Gehenna, which is the word for the continual burning and smoking. Uh, it's the smoke of her torment went on forever. You know, a woman in Los Angeles not too long ago took her own life and they found her suicide note and it only had two words. The two words were, they said. They said. Have you ever felt the words they said? Have you ever felt the weight of the words of what they said? Maybe you spent a lot of your life trying to disprove what they said, trying to live past what they said. You, you, ever, you ever experienced that? You're like, I could, never, I could never please them. I could never outlive this. And far too many people succumb to that. I'm never going to be anything. And they said it first. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you, you felt the weight of that. You, you live under what they said. And you may be getting close to that point to where you're like, you know, I, they're right. I just, I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I can't do it. Worse yet, you might be here and you might be one of the they who said. And somebody in your life, in your circle, is still to this day trying to outlive that, trying to prove you wrong, trying to show you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was your dad. You know, your relationship with your dad is such an indication of who you become and who you are. Maybe he said something that you, you just, to this day, you just remember you, you could, never, could never get it right, could never please him. Well, maybe he's gone, maybe he's not, but you're here today. Don't be part of the they said. Be part of the they who said, you can do this. I believe in you. I got hope for you. That's what we want. The, the tongue is so dangerous. All it takes is one spark, one bit of gossip, one word spoken in an explosion of anger, one biting remark, one misplaced criticism, one lie, one word, just one word, and the whole thing is burning down. And our words don't even have to be intentional to, get, to do harm. All it takes is a little carelessness, just carelessness can burn everything down you know here in west virginia we we burn brush and uh, when i was growing up we burned trash and we were a poor family and we had a burn barrel anybody grow up with a burn barrel yeah you might have one now and um and so we had a burn barrel down by the creek and my dad said go burn the trash and it was stuff that mostly should have been burned or could have been burned Shouldn't have been any plastic or bottles or anything in there, but sometimes they slipped into the wrong bag. And one day I did something my dad told me not to do. He said, burn the trash, but don't play in the fire. Well, I was just a kid. Kids love to play in fires. And so I was sticking the stick in there and flinging it and doing all sorts of things. And the next thing I know, the hillside caught on fire. 
and I tried to catch it. I was playing with the fire, and then the fire was playing me. And I remember it was the scariest moment of my life up until that time. Anybody had a moment like that where you burnt the, burnt the fire hillside down? We got a, uh, a message this week from Cassie, and she said, the, the mountainside's burning down. Anybody live up there? She said, it's burning down. We're afraid it's going to get close to our house. We're like, oh, my goodness, what can we do? Pray for rain. <clears throat> but they, the firemen got it out. But, you know, that's all it takes is a little bit of carelessness, playing around, and now you've burnt down so many things. A few years ago, there's a wildfire raging through Southern California that burned 22,000 acres. You know how it started? A couple, innocently, who lived at the edge of the woods was doing a gender reveal for their baby, and a, the bomb or whatever it was they were exploding somehow caught the leaves on fire. It, it started on September 5th, was put out on November 16th. Yesterday, there was a funeral for a guy named Cody Mullins from Fayette County. Anybody know him? Anybody hear about him? Yeah, he died in a fire down there that was started. One of our firemen in the area that was started by a guy who they say intentionally set the fire. And Cody lost his life, 28 years old. A tree fell on him that had been burnt. Maybe you've been to Gatlinburg. Anybody been to Gatlinburg? Yeah, man, Gatlinburg, that's right next to Myrtle Beach. It, Gatlinburg, I submit to you, is Myrtle Beach in the mountains. Same thing. Have you ever climbed the Chimney Tops Trail? Anybody? Oh, it's a great thing to do. In fact, I convinced my wife to do it with me several years ago. I mean, it was, took a lot of convincing, but we did it. We went all the way up, and she just told the Lumadu, she said, yeah, but I didn't get to climb up the rocks at the top. He said, why did you do that? I said, for the view, man, for the view. She said, I didn't even get the view. I had to stop because she couldn't scurry up the rocks at the end. But coming back down, we got soaked and wet. Well, in 2016, two boys were up there, two little teenage boys, and they were playing with fire. And you remember what happened, don't you, in Gatlinburg in 2016? This right here happened. It, it destroyed Gatlinburg. It was the worst fire Tennessee had seen in 100 years. It killed 14 people and destroyed over 2,000 buildings. How did it start? Two little boys, two teenagers playing with fire. James says the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. The psalmist said, oh, lying tongue, what shall be your fate? John Calvin, the reformer, said the tongue is a slender portion of flesh that contains the whole world of iniquity. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll have to all admit that the tongue is, is at the top of the list of ways we can sin and hurt somebody. Just a small spark can burn down an entire city, an entire life, an entire future. In the message version of the Bible, these two verses, Eugene Peterson says it like this. He says, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the point of hell, pit of hell. Now, James could have stopped here. Okay, the tongue is 
powerful. The tongue is dangerous. But he goes on. He's serious about this, isn't he? You know, there's only one time in my parenting history, and I've raised three daughters and a son for some of his, the only one time I've ever do what our parents always said they were going to do. Remember when they said they're going to wash out your mouth with what? So anybody ever had to do that? Parents? Okay. We did it one time. Worked like a charm. Worked like a charm. You might know who that one daughter was, Caleb. It was still working. Still working. James goes on and says, the tongue is untamable. We'll finish out with 7 to 12. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You know, one time I was at the gas station in Glenland, Virginia, on my way back home, and I saw a couple. The guy had a fox on a leash. Anybody ever see that? He had a fox. I got pictures of it on my phone. He had a fox on a leash. I asked him, I said, what in the world? He said, yeah, this is the kind of fox you can keep on a leash because I thought probably it was illegal. He said, okay. I said, okay, whatever. Why would you want to keep a fox on a leash? I said, is he a pet? He said, yeah, he's a pet. I said, now, could you let him go and he come back to you like a dog? He said, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I thought to myself, okay, he's not a pet. He's a wild animal. He's a wild animal. And, you know, that's kind of what James is talking about here. He's saying, you know, there's there's a lot of animals that have been tamed, and you can tame a lot, but when it comes to the tongue, it's still got some wild in it. We can, we can try to tame it. We can cage it. We can teach it some tricks. We can bite it occasionally, but in the end, we cannot tame it. We can defang it, but we can't remove the venom. So there's a lot of animals that have been taught to do crazy things. I read about the New York Mets who one time brought in monkeys to throw for batting practice. That way their batters could hit anything. It was coming at them. So there's a lot of things. You know, I think of a pit bull. Think of a pit bull. You know, in 2021, there were 3,397 pit bull attacks on people. These are pets. And 295 people died in 2021 as a result of a pit bull attack. But these are pets. What do you think every time you see this happening and you see it on the news? Here's what you think. You think the same thing I do. Yeah, but there's a little bit of wild left in them. There's still a little bit of something you just can't trust. And so there's a groove on your tongue, on my tongue, because you just, you just don't know when you're going to let it fly. Your filters are down, or maybe you're like me. You have trouble having any filters. James says in verse 8, according to the Living Bible, a tongue is always ready to pour out its deadly poison. 
one thoughtless word slipping through the filter, a single word, and the fire ranges, and the lion is loose, and the lion is hungry. The snake slithers into the garden with a mouthful of lies, and the dragon opens up its mouth to devour. And James says the problem is worse. He talks about what the Native Americans, Native Americans used to call a forked tongue. Anybody ever hear of a, or let me say it the way we used to say it, a forked, forked tongue. Anybody ever hear of a forked tongue? Yeah, or speaking out of both sides of your mouth. You know, and they said that, the Indians did, because the American government, in some cases, would promise them this and then give them that. And so if you have trouble backing up what you say, if you want to say this and then you want to turn around and say that, you know, a lot of politicians have that trouble today, don't they? They, they forget there's recording cameras out there. And so you said this today, but yesterday you said this, and we got you on video saying that. Yeah, but I didn't mean that. And tomorrow it'll be I didn't mean this. And so we, we have people, we, we have a whole community of people who just, it's just their normal talk out of both sides of their mouth. And I'm not putting a label on any of them as far as a party goes. I'm saying that the temptation is for all of them to do that. Why? Because they want to please people. They want to tell you what you want to hear. But what they ought to tell you is the truth. Amen? They ought to tell you the truth. It's not right. James says it's just like somebody like you coming in here and saying hallelujah, a thousand hallelujahs, Lord, and then going out there and tomorrow chewing out your neighbor or chewing out your, cussing out your workmate or saying something that's not true. He says there's both blessing and curse from the same mouth. That's not right. If Jesus has made a difference in you, he's made a difference in your mouth. A spring of fresh water, we need to spew forth fresh water. Like a tree, fig tree created to produce figs and a grapevine created to produce grapes, so we should produce what God intended for us to produce. And that's all James says. He doesn't give us here's seven ways to lick your tongue or here's how to improve your speech. He just tells us that it's powerful it's dangerous and it's untamable. Okay. Well, sometimes we need some more parts of the Bible. The Galatians 5 says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's that last one? That's what we need with the tongue. By the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, we can have self-control. We can grow up with the tongue. And here's what we ought to do. We ought to use the tongue to confess our sins and repent. We ought to use the tongue to pray and ask God to help us with our tongues. And when we do that, by his grace and power and Holy Spirit, we'll get better. We'll get better. Not perfect, but we'll get better. And we'll get right next to where we ought to be. And then we'll be in heaven. And up there, I think we'll be all better question last week was, what do I need to do to get right with God? What about the Sunday after Easter? I think the question is, what do I need to do now? You ought to start living like you're right with God. Assuming you are, if you're not right with God, let's take care of that this morning. But assuming you're right with God, let's start living like we are starting 
with the mouth. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Almighty God, thank you for this message. Thank you so much for the, the warnings, the admonition, and the encouragement to just to be better, to be better at how we speak, to do, to do uh, what we say, and to say what we mean, which is the truth. I pray, God, that we would honor you and glorify you in, in how we speak, and not just how we speak publicly, but how we speak to our wife how we speak to our husband, to our kids, to our parents and grandparents, to our neighbors, to the people we work with, to the young lady behind the counter at the drugstore, to the guy who's at Walmart telling us which lane to go to, to check out, to everybody. Lord, make it matter to us. Let us bless you and build them up let them say about us, he was a very encouraging guy. She was somebody who built me up and didn't tear me down. That's my prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to talk about your next step in your journey of faith, I'll be standing right over here to your left. I'd love to talk to you about it.